Father, we thank you for that. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, for the work that you're doing within our church, within the kids in our church. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing within us. And God, as Brother Lee brings your word, God, I pray that your spirit would continue to move, continue to move within our hearts, God, and just help us to see what you want us to see. God, help us hear what you want us to hear within your words. God, I pray that this time would just not be a waste of time, God, but that this time would be meaningful and honoring to you and glorifying you, God. Father, I pray that you would bless this time. I pray, Father, just that your way would be had and that your spirit would freely move. God, we love you. God, and we give all of the praise and all of the honor to you. Amen. All right, we'll carry on with Matthew 24. Matthew 24, we're almost halfway through the chapter and seeing what Jesus said and why he said it and what he did. Jesus was asked by the disciples, what will be the sign of the end of the age? What will be the sign of his coming? And with the disciples, he says that there are beginning of birth pains and then there are uh, the end of the birth pains. He says that there's going to be lots of deception. Jesus said that there'll be wars and rumors of wars. He said that uh, uh, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be famines and pestilences. He said that there will be lots of persecution for believers. We will be arrested, we will be handed over to the authorities, and even killed. And there will also be a problem with preachers. They're going to be preaching deception. They're going to be tickling people's ears. And they're going to be telling people what they perceive people want to hear so that life is easier, the budget's better, and people can live a more comfortable life. There's going to be a time when People will attend church and their number one goal is to have a wonderful experience to feel better about their life than they did when they came in and uh, just to build up the spirit. That's that tickling of the ears that's going to happen. There's also going to be, which is, is uh, uh, quite interesting to me, there's going to be simultaneous opposites happen in the church. There's going to be a great falling away. There are going to be lots of empty churches. There are going to be buildings like there is in Europe today, and it's happening more and more in our country as well, where you've got these massive, beautiful churches. But when it comes time for church worship, they're either empty or they're not having services at all. And I can't think of anything worse than that. You know, I think about Westminster Abbey, reserved primarily for royal functions, weddings for the, the royals, deaths for the uh, important people in England, and what a beautiful, beautiful, magnificent facility that could be used for preaching the good news about Jesus. But when that opportunity comes, it's, it's, it's just a few gathering people to worship. Sad deal. All across Europe, that's the way it is. And so there's going to be, Jesus says, there's going to be this great falling away. 
But at the very same time, which is kind of hard to understand, I suppose, there's also going to be a real tremendous effort to take the gospel to the whole world because Jesus said that the gospel will be preached to the whole world. So falling away and taking the gospel to the whole world. So what's going to happen is in the falling away, we are going to see that in the end of the age before Jesus returns, there is going to be fewer people doing more in the kingdom of God. So that's a mindset that we need to get that our mindset, especially for preacher types, is more, more, more people. Well, in reality, perhaps it's less people doing more for God. And because that's what's going to happen in the end times. And then last week, we just only focus on verse 15, but that'll be our springboard this week. In verse 15, it says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. And so we talked about the possibilities. Now, abomination means idolatry and desolation means ruined or empty. So what Jesus is talking about here is the same thing that Daniel talked about in the abomination of desolation. He talked about it three times in the book of Daniel. And he's talking about a time when the Jewish worship no longer exists because idolatry has taken place at the temple and it's, it's the abomination of desolation takes place. We know about uh, Antiochus Epiphanes when he poured the blood on the temple. We know about Titus when he led the Romans in to destroy the temple in 70 AD. Antiochus was there in 170 BC. And, and so uh, we understand there has been some idolatry happened that's, that's ruined the worship for the Jewish people on the Temple Mount, in their Holy of Holies, in their temple complex. And today, as we look at Jerusalem, the holiest place for the Jewish nation, we see on the Temple Mount four and a half acres of land where the temple once stood. There's now the Dome of the Rock, which is, is in honor of Muhammad ascending into heaven on his white horse. And there's the Al-As Mosque there. And so one could say that that's idolatry that's taking place. Regardless of the situation, Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So today there's crystal clear, right? Four and a half acres of land, the place where the atonement happens, the place where the blood is sprinkled, the place where the mercy seat is, is honored and worshiped and, and all that religious celebration takes place for the Jewish people. It is no longer possible. So that very word there says that we need to be ready for the return of Christ. We need to be ready. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be this week. We, we need to be ready for the coming of Christ. You need to get your affairs in order. You need to be ready for the coming of Christ just simply because there's no Jewish worship taking place. And Jesus said, that's one of the things you look for. Now, if it is indeed in the future taste, and we saw from Revelation where the coming of the Antichrist comes and storms against Israel, and obviously when Jesus talks here in Matthew 24, there's no question to me that we see from Daniel, we see from Jesus in the, in the, in the fulfillments of the prophecy, there may be more than one fulfillment that you see. And so, Pay attention, be alert, be aware, be warned. 
Now, before we go forward, I want you to think about this. If, if, if Jesus has not warned us and these things are going to take place, he wouldn't love us. Right? I mean, if you love people, you're going to warn them about something you know is going to happen in the future that they need to be ready for. I was jogging just a couple years ago and I was going down my little road and I was about to make a turn and go down this next road and this guy stops in his pickup truck and he says, fella, you ought not to go down that road. And I said, why not? He says, my neighbor's big, mean dog is loose and they can't get him back in. And he says, I'm even afraid to get out of my truck and go to my house and you sure don't need to run down that road. And I thought about it, and I thought the odds of me outrunning a big, mean dog are pretty slim. I will listen to what the man had to say. And I, I thanked him. I mean, he probably, he probably saved me a heart attack or trying to outrun some big, mean dog. He might have saved me a bite. He might have, no telling what he might have done. Of course, I might have been able to whip that dog if I so chose, but I'm not sure. And so I heeded the man's warning, and I didn't go down that road. I thanked him. And I thought about it. That's really nice of him to do. He stopped. He didn't know me. He says, look, there's a big mean dog down there. You don't need to go down there. That's a, that's a nice, that's a, that's a decent thing to do, isn't it? Now, Jesus has warned us because he loves us. The Bible warns us about many things. And, and Jesus warns us about what we need to look to before Jesus returns, because life is going to be very difficult and we need to prepare. We need to prepare. So when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Be prepared. Man, you know, the hurricane is coming, so get the plywood up. Batten down the hatches, in other words. In verses 16 through 20, Jesus tells us that the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, and the, you know, one of the interesting things about this, here we are in 2020. We've had now 70 years of understanding the nation of Israel, but before 1948, no possibility of that. And so people reading Matthew 24 before that time, if you were in church in the 1930s and the preacher was looking at this, he, he, would, he would really be struggling a little bit with the concept of Jewish people running for their lives in Jerusalem, right? That'd be a hard concept. But here it is in 2020, there is a nation of Israel. They do occupy parts of Jerusalem, parts of Jerusalem they don't occupy, which is a crazy mixture of life there. But there's no question that we have a better understanding now since 1948 of what this possibly could look like. So verse 16. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is in on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. Now, the way they built the houses there, they'd be like two stories. The top of the house would be flat, and it's their patio. That's the way they built those houses. No air conditioning. And so you'd be up there on the patio, and that's where you got the nice, cool breeze in the evening, and that's where you'd hang out. So he says here, flee, run for your life. The people that are on the top of the house, they're on their patio, you don't even have time to go down and get what you want. 
You're not going to go down and get your favorite, you know, pottery. You're not going to go down and get your favorite sandals. You're not going to go down and get anything. You're, you're just literally not going to have any time for that. Verse, verse uh, 18 says, And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And so he was hot. He was out there working in the field. He lays his cloak over on the side of the field. And then the enemy storms and he doesn't have time to run across the field and pick up his cloak and run with his cloak. Doesn't have time for that. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. Man, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? Now, Jesus is telling the people that of Judea that all of the world's attention is going to be on them. Now, all the world's attention is going to be on the nation of Israel. When this before Jesus returns, it's going to be the news on and on and over and over. But there is going to be such a horrific, all of a sudden presence of their enemies, that whatever they're worried about, they no longer worry about, and they've got a problem that absolutely overwhelms all the other issues of their life, and they run. And they run. Now, look for that to happen. Look for that to take place. Yep, it happened in 70 A.D., I mean, when the Romans finally had enough and Titus gave the orders and said, let's destroy Jerusalem, those poor mothers who were nursing their baby or pregnant, it was a horrible, horrible experience for them. They ran for their lives. And so before Jesus comes again, before Jesus returns, there's going to be that same experience. You've had that experience of happening that you're really bothered about something, you're worried about something, it's something that you're dealing with, your family's dealing with, and then another problem comes along, and all of a sudden that problem is no longer even registering on your radar screen because of the new problem that comes along. We, we experience that life. That's going to be magnified here for the people of Israel. And so be looking for that. And then we see in verse 21, for then there will be a great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. Wow. There is coming a time that is called the great tribulation that is going to be beyond anything Anyone has ever experienced, regardless of the time they've lived on this earth. Man, I, I thought about that this week. I thought about, man, just, just from memory, just the things that I was able to jot down, all the times in the last 50 or 60 years where I, I'm so glad I didn't live there. I'm so glad I didn't live there. And when you think about the history of the world, the known history of our world, Consider everything that people have been through. All the, all the upheavals, all the problems, all the famines, all the pestilences, all the diseases, all the earthquakes that have happened in the world. All the volcanic eruptions that have happened. 
I mean, Pompeii. I mean, you know, just read about what they are finding from, from that, that eruption of that volcano and, and how people just, it was caught off guard and it just happened and, and the, and the volcano just blew and it buried people in the streets. And how horrible that must have been. How difficult that is. You think about the genocide. You think about what it was like to live in the Congo during, during the last 50 years. What it was like to live in Mozambique. What it's like to live in, in, in the Sudan when, when uh, the Islamic authorities began to kill all the Christians. Can you imagine what that was like? You start hearing a machine gun fire across the way and you, you know they're killing people in, in surrounding villages and you just take off and run for your lives. China has had their genocide experiences. Cambodia, many of us have been there and seen the, the killing fields and seen what's happened there. And, and just in recent time, all that mess has happened. I mean, I can't imagine anything worse than that. I can't imagine anything worse than, than all these wars, the genocide, the disease, the, the plagues that have happened in the last four or five hundred years in our world. But Jesus said here in verse 21 that before He returns, there is going to be tribulation that is going to be far worse than anything man has ever experienced or will ever experience again. He's warning us. He's telling us, people, listen to me. Children, listen to me. There's a big, mean dog loose down the street. And you need to get ready. I'm telling you this because I love you. You need to live your life in preparation for the big, mean dog that's down the street. And then in verse 22, in verse 22, Jesus says to us, And if those days had not been cut short, if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Man, you see the grace of the Lord. You see the teaching of great tribulation, the worst of days that's ever happened and will ever happen again. And then you say, but let me tell you something about those days. If those days are not, not cut short, no one will survive those days. Now, for the people that believe the tribulation, that the, that, that the coming of Christ happens before the tribulation starts, they go to this verse and say, aha, look here. Time is cut short. There's relief for the elect. It does say that if it weren't for the elect, then the time would, would, would not have been cut short. And it was God just releasing His grace and His love for the sake of the elect. No one would have survived if it hadn't happened. You can see that and go, aha, so, so the Christian people are removed from this tribulation. People look at this verse and say, well, this is the middle of the tribulation when this takes place. Others look at this and go, this happened after the tribulation. 
And the time is cut short means that if, if he didn't step in, it would have went on much longer. But there was an act of grace from God, and the time of tribulation is cut short. So regardless of where you fall in this, regardless of, of what you choose to think of, I think there's no question that you see the element that believers are going through part of this tribulation. At least you got to say there's pretty good chance they're going to go through part of it. There's a good chance they're going to go through all of it. And it's going to come a time where God looks down and because of the sake of the elect, because of his people, his people that believe, his people that trust, his people that know the Lord, he is going to, because of the elect, because of Christian people, he is going to end this tribulation and he is going to return. Now, that's a pretty cool thing from the perspective of being one of the Lord's children. I mean, we're going to go through it. We're going to have difficult times, in my opinion. We're going to experience tribulation, and, and it's going to seem like it's never going to end. It's going to seem like we're, never going to, we're not going to survive. No one's going to survive this mess. This is not going to be good for anyone and then because of his grace, because of his, his knowledge, because of his ability to do what only God can do, he's going to cut that time short for the sake of the elect. You know, it's an amazing thing. You think about what Jesus has to say here, how Christians are going to be treated in these end times. We're going to be arrested, killed, and hated because of Jesus. And we've talked about that a little bit, how... In, in, in this culture today, how it's becoming more and more apparent that the, the, the unbelieving part of our culture, especially those in positions of authority, they don't believe that we offer anything. They don't believe that we're bringing anything to the table. They, they believe that we are the problem, to be honest with you. They believe that religion is a, is a horrible, horrible, deceptive crush crutch that that has happened in the world and it's just making matters worse because man can't move forward and be who he is and we can't worship the humanity and how great we are and all those kind of things and they really see that religion is putting just a bad taste in in their plans for what is really cultural domination and they don't want us in the way now they ought to be thankful because if they are indeed alive during this great tribulation, they might be some people that are relieved some of the suffering because we're here. Because we're here. But of course, you're never going to get an unbeliever to see that and believe that and understand that. But we can know it, believe it, understand it. And so this great time of tribulation is going to end because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. Now, when you think about this tribulation, I've heard the old uh, uh, cliche a lot through the years, uh, pray for rapture, but prepare for tribulation. Now, as the years gone by, I, I was taught early on to believe in the rapture. 
and the pastor I had that did a lot of teaching to me was, was convinced of it, that it was going to happen. But as time has gone on, man, I read Matthew 24, I read the prophecy of Revelation, and I just go, I, I just can't believe that, that we're believing we're not going to go through the tribulation. And I, I, I just don't see it. And so that's really influenced me as I go through this. And, and, and so when I look at the days are cut short, man, I'm seeing that we are going to go through that tribulation, but thankful the days are cut short. And so for me, there's an there's a alarm, there's a warning, there's, a, there's a, uh, a craving, a desire, a movement in my spirit to prepare, to challenge, to remind you, to warn you, to get ready for the worst times that could ever happen to anyone anywhere. We, we, can't, we can't be lazy about this. I mean, it, it's not in our best interest to just be careless about it and to act like, ah, when it comes, it comes and we'll deal with it. Man, we need to get ready. It's, it's just like taking someone that's a couch potato and saying, tomorrow, you're running a marathon. No, they're not. Matter of fact, if you run five miles a day, you're not running a marathon the next day. You're not ready for it. If you run five miles, if it's not real hot, if it's not real humid, you might go 10, but you're not going 26. The only way you're going to be able to run that marathon is if you get where you can go 20 miles and then you can gut the last six out, right? I mean, you've got to be able to run. You've got to be able to move down the road. You've got to put some mileage on your body so that your bones and your tendons and your lungs and your heart and everything can build itself up to where you can go a marathon. Spiritually speaking, we're not going to be able to survive the worst days that's ever happened, the days that takes all our worries and puts them aside and presents us new worries. I mean, what the SAP 500 did this week is not going to matter. Longhorns fumbling the ball on the one-yard line, again, is not going to really matter. The Cowboys losing to the Browns, you're not going to be worried about that. There's a football game on this. I mean, everything that you might think about. The problems at work are no more. You, you're just not concerned because the problems are so overwhelming, the normal problems just diminish. They just evaporate. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready with your faith. You've got to be ready with understanding the Word. You've got to be ready with prayer. You know, learning to pray and praying effectively and praying in the will of the Lord Man, it's too late after the crisis happens. You can't catch up with that. You need to, you, we have to learn now to listen to His Spirit, to hear His Spirit. As Paul says, live by the Spirit of the Lord. Because when these days come, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be too late for catch-up. A spiritual toughness is required. A spiritual toughness is required. And then we see here in verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there He is, do not believe it. So there we go. We have an answer out there. So people are going to come along during this great tribulation, and these people are going to come along, and they're going to say, here's the Christ, there's the Christ. 
Jesus says, don't you believe it? For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. And the, and the crazy thing is, they're going to do signs and wonders. They're going to put on a show. There's going to be lots of people that are going to come on the scene that are going to be heralded as the Messiah. So what we have here is Jesus saying, no, no, no to us. Don't go out there. Don't believe it. Don't listen to it. Now, what that's telling us is, understand now that Jesus, the Messiah, has come. There is no new revelation. No new revelation. Muhammad is believed to be the final revelation. Jesus said, no, no, no. Joseph Smith is supposedly someone that came along and found those golden tablets under that rock up there in, in, in northeast. And, and he brought for us the final revelation. Jesus here says, no, no, no. So even if they come along and they are working miracles, no, no, no. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is what we hold on to. And then verse 27 says that as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. When Jesus returns, it's going to be like lightning. It's going to be like lightning. Isn't that amazing? You can see a big storm. You can see it coming in from the west. You can see how dark it's getting. You can start feeling the wind, the cool wind breeze, you know, happening. And you can feel the excitement going on in the air. But you're always caught off guard. Whoa, did you see that? That lightning bolt just streaked across that sky. You're looking at it. You're prepared for it. You're anticipating the lightning. But it always catches you off guard. It always gets you. And isn't it freaky when you're standing out there and it's right under you and it comes down and hits the, the electrical line and pops that thing? It what happened to our house not too long ago. And man, you're just going, oh, it just came from nowhere and just struck. When Jesus returns, we're going to be aware of the signs. There's a storm a-brewing. It's coming. It's on the way. It's here. But... The, the coming of Christ is going to be like the lightning in that storm. So the persecution is a storm. The deception is a storm. The problem with preachers is a storm. The hating Christian people is a storm. People's love growing cold is the storm. The abomination of desolation is the storm. The false Christ and the false messiahs with the power is the storm. But the lightning is going to still happen quickly. And it's going to catch us by surprise. It's just going to just, oh my gosh, there it was. That's the way it's going to be when Jesus returns. He's coming again. And He's coming again. And He's coming like lightning. 
Man, that's going to be awesome, isn't it? Come, Lord Jesus, come soon. Come on down here. You know, believing that Jesus will return, that'll help us live a little better. That'll help us realize what really matters, what's really important. That'll help us not get too bent out of shape about the world's situation, wouldn't it? Because Jesus is going to come just like lightning, and he's going to straighten everything out. He's going to straighten out all the hypocrisies in the world. He's going to straighten out all the injustices in the world. He's going to straighten out all the abuse that people heap on each other in this world. He's going to come and he's going to straighten out everything. He's going to straighten out governments. He's going to straighten out these crazy preachers. He's going to straighten all this mess out. Whatever you call mess in this world, Jesus is going to return and he's going to, he's going to settle the score. There's a day of reckoning coming, and it's coming like a lightning bolt. Verse 28, wherever the corpse is, there, were, there the vultures will gather. So if you're out west, and your dog gets out, and you can't find your dog, you know what you look for? Yeah, you look for vultures. Because that'll show you where your dog is, most likely. Because where the dead corpses are, the vultures circle around. There must be something dead over there. How you know that? Well, look at those buzzards. Those, those buzzards are up there circling. See that? They're coming down. They're, they're all gathering. That's judgment. That's a statement of judgment. That's a statement of judgment. There are three deadlines that you need to be aware. And those three deadlines are, are going to result with a judgment. First deadline to consider is opportunities to be saved. Opportunities to believe in God. Opportunities that come in your life where you say yes to Jesus, they're limited. They just seem to be limited. When you're younger, there seems to be more opportunities. More people receive Christ before the age of 18 than after the age of 18. So there's more opportunities before the age of 18. Well, what does that mean is people are more likely to receive Christ before the age of 18 than they are after 18. Why? Life happens. Let me tell you what I understand about life. Life happens, problems happen. Problems happen, blame God happens. Blame God, blame the church happens. Blame God, blame the church. Blame the preacher, blame the people. Blame everyone. They're all hypocrites, they're all losers, they're all this, they're all that. And as time goes on, that, that life happening deepens and, and, and the likelihood of being open to receive Jesus lessens. Not only does life happen, but sin happens. And we understand from the book of Romans that sin sears the conscience of people so they can't see the wonderful things of God. It's like a callus. And when you have a callus, your hands get rough and they get tough. Your heart has a callus when we sin and it gets, it gets more closed. It gets harder. It gets more likely to reject God than accept God. It's, it's likely to discount 
any kind of spiritual movement in the lives of other people or in your own life. And, and so that deadline of not receiving Christ, and every time we don't receive Christ and we have an opportunity, the, the truth of the matter is, because of a seared conscience, because of the problems of life, because of the way our flesh works, as we get older, there's less and less and less and less opportunity to say yes to Christ in salvation. That's a deadline. That's a deadline. That's a deadline that says to us that if, if you're being drawn to God, if, you're, if your heart's being tugged, if in your spirit there's just, there's just a, a, a change happening from not believing to wanting to believe, to wanting to trust, and there's questions happen, there's spiritual activity happen, that's the time, that's the day of salvation. You need to seize it, you need to reach out to it and grab it. Because the truth of the matter is, if you postpone that and you have the idea, I'll revisit this eternal thing down the road. I'll revisit the spiritual aspects of my life down the road. I'll get right with God one day. That day never, may never, may never happen. It just might not happen. That's a deadline. There's also a deadline of death. We have no guarantees. This congregation has seen that clearly, hasn't it? We have seen that. We have seen how illness just creeps up and people are living life and they're doing things and, and they're just living their life and then just boom, in a day's time, a phone call happens, a test is taking place and they've got an illness. Well, they felt fine and then in a short period of time, they didn't feel good. They go to the doctor and they go, say, you've got this illness. My stars, there's no guarantees. The, the scripture tells us that life is like a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. There's no guarantees for any of us. And so death is a deadline. It's a death line. Just like opportunities rejected increases that deadline in our lives. Death is a deadline. It's a deadline. And then we have the deadline of the return of Jesus. You see, when Jesus returns, the opportunity to be saved is no longer there. It's no longer there. It's too late. Matter of fact, we're going to see in next verses in Matthew that there's going to be sorrow in the world when Jesus returns. I can just see the sorrow of the Jewish people that have missed the Messiah. Oh, no. Oh, no. First John speaks about red faces when Jesus returns. The red faces of regret, of shame when Jesus returns. Deadline. There is death and then the judgment. The vultures are going to gather. That means judgment. Are you ready? To meet Jesus. Are you ready for judgment to come? So, these words are a warning. They're words of an instruction. But verse 28 is a word of judgment. The vultures gather. The vultures gather. Are you ready to meet God? 
Are you ready to say yes to Christ? Are you ready to get prepared for the coming of the tribulation? Are you ready to live your life without any regrets until your deadline happens? Either Jesus returns or you pass away. If you would, just pray with me this morning. And just between you and the Lord, you just hear His voice, hear His Spirit. Decide to live for Him. Decide to embrace Him. Decide to trust Him with your life today. Where will you spend eternity? How will judgment go? Are you ready? Get ready, get ready, get ready. Lord, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.